Hello and welcome to the Overly Animated Podcast, where we take animation seriously. We provide fan-oriented and analytic discussions on a variety of animated shows, movies, and anime, currently featuring Steven Universe, Miraculous Ladybug, New Powerpuff Girls, and Star vs. The Force of Evil. I'm Dylan Heisen, and today I'm joined by Justin Cummings. Hello! Today, Justin and I will be uh, recapping and discussing the Star vs. The Force of Evil Season 2 premiere. Ooh, this is our... Uh, our first podcast on Star versus the Force of Evil, uh, which I assume we'll mostly just be calling Star uh, for short. On, on the no, podcast. we'll be calling it the full title every time you want to talk about or uh, STFOE. I've SVTFOE. I've been seeing seeing that on uh, Tumblr. It tagged as that or something. Anyway, I, I'm. It, it's like Legend of Korra abbreviates to Korra. This abbreviates to Star. Um, so we have to specify whether we're referring to the show or the character. Anyway, we're going to be covering all of season two here, probably here on the Overly Animated Podcast. This is new coverage for us. We uh, discuss a bunch of animated shows uh, here on the Overly Animated Overly Animated Podcast, including the ones I mentioned in the beginning. If you're new uh, to us, welcome. I hope we do justice to Star um, and to your what's many of yours, one of your favorite shows and stuff like that. Um, we cover a bunch of shows and you can check us out at OverlyAnimated.com or you could search for the Overly Animated Podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher soon i will have up a star versus the force of evil specific itunes feed that you could just subscribe to that if you just want our star podcast um otherwise you can subscribe to our main feed um and uh hope today we're discussing the premiere later in the week potentially for future weeks we'll discuss it on monday or earlier we're not gonna have it up right after the episode airs because apparently the show airs at 10 30 a.m uh what on mondays which is probably the stupidest thing i've ever heard but (laughs) you know i don't i don't really understand disney's justification for putting it out at 10 30 on mondays um i can understand that on the week on like saturdays putting it in at at that time but was it just this week or is that their normal schedule because i I know they aired the bad lip reading high school musical special monday morning as well i don't know i i i know that star was up for a uh was uh put on the ballot for a primetime emmy so i assume that the first season at least partly aired at night uh right so, so it might just be this week i mean we'll we'll figure this out as we go uh i don't know we'll see we'll see for future weeks here but yeah so we're gonna give our gen uh I, also i know that michelle watches the show already and delaney has been catching up and they'll be joining joining us for future star coverages so you will get not just uh two dudes opinions on this uh <laughs> this fe- female-led female-created show normally we'll have uh female voices on for this uh circumstantially it's just justin and i this week and um yeah, so we're going to talk about first general opinions on Star and Star Season 1. Justin and I both recently just watched all the episodes, so we have much to discuss on that, and then we'll get into the premiere. Um, so uh, I guess, so both of us marathoned it like within the past week, correct? Yes. Have Had you seen any of this show before? I had not seen a single episode, but I had heard a lot about it. Yeah, that's same for me. Um, I, th- I think Delaney had seen a few episodes and Michelle actually was like a regular viewer. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so for us both, us though, both us both though, we just marathoned, um, the season one, which was like 13 or 26 episodes, depending on how you want to look at it. And, uh, I wrote a review on overlyanimated.com's blog section, uh, where, where you can, that you can check out. I'm going to start a discussion there. It's entitled the first season of Star Wars first of evil was a fun breath of fresh air. Um, Eh, it's an okay title. Uh, but uh, my, my first version was uh, first season of Star uh, is an interesting combination of Gravity Falls and Rick and Morty. But then my article didn't really focus on that. So I, I changed this. Uh, but my general point is that the show's really fun. It's um, it's different from a lot of animated series we see. Uh, it's, it's refreshingly... Um, female-led and like actually female-led that's the thing that kind of struck me one of the main things was like yeah there's other shows with like female leads but then sometimes the kind of the male uh uh, male co-star uh is is sometimes focused upon uh this is very much star's show marco's important Mm -hmm. too but um star i mean in the finale star has to go and save marco that's one of my favorite things that happened in the season um and uh i also just really love it's it's also refreshing just because they have such a uh platonic friendship between star and marco uh asterisk ignoring <laughs> blood moon ball um but uh it's i i love how uh deep of a friendship they have and how the show absolutely does not uh focus upon 
their romance, uh, which is very different from most Disney shows you'll see. I mean, I think the notable exception to this would be Kim Possible, which was brought up in the comment section of that article, which I think has a similar dynamic going on, and I'm sure it influenced the show. But uh, even Kim Possible did eventually take that route, didn't it? It did. But also this show does seem to have interest in going in that route. Um, but like I said in, uh, in the article... Um, I think even if they go in a romantic direction with Star and Marco, it'd still be refreshing because um, it's based off of such a uh, like a, a close bond and actual friendship and genuine like person to person connection rather than like a oh I have a crush on you type uh, middle school high school feelings, um, mm-hmm. which is where these types of uh, kid centric shows with uh, a male and a female lead typically go. Um, so I really enjoy that element. And, um, I mean, if you look at the article, like all my pictures are Star and Marco together, so I'm not going to deny I'm not like a little shipping it, but it's mostly that, uh, it's, it's mostly like that's their dynamic. I feel like is, is just this really special part of the show. Um, by the way, Starco is, is apparently yes, what they're called. That is the term of Starco. Starco. Uh, I, I think we could do better, but it seems to already be established, so <laughs> I won't challenge it. But um, I, so I, yeah, I just think the two of them together and their interactions in the show are the strongest part. I think Marco's a great lead. Now I'm just recapping what I said in the review. I think Marco's a great male lead. Um, I'm very not used to having a male lead in a show uh, that I genuinely like with no hangups. Even Adrian in Miraculous Ladybug, who I do like, has hangups because I don't love his behavior as cat noir. Marco, I have like no exceptions. I think he's great. Like that's so rare. <laughs> I, I usually have uh, have very much problems with male character portrayals on on TV, and Marco's just genuinely a good person and genuinely not sexist. Like it's it's crazy. Um, so I'm I'm a big Marco fan. I mean, really. Um, it's not to say that uh, he's my favorite character. Of course, my favorite character is Star, who is absolutely wonderful. She's the most adorable, and she's the most fun, and really makes the show great. Um, and she also is just, I feel like, deeply characterized. Uh, I, I I think that's the one of the strong aspects of the show. I think just, I, I feel like she's a real, first of all, I feel like she's a real person. I say this in the article. Star is like 14, and she acts like a kid, which is never happens and is totally how it works. Um, so I was surprised at that for sure. Um, I, I, I just, I like 14 year olds are kids. Like you don't just suddenly become like boy crazy and like adult, like, uh, when you enter the teenage period and I just feel like star is such a realistic portrayal. And also she just has like, she screws up sometimes other times she's really great. And, um, like, uh, some, sometimes she like, uh, like knows how things work and how people work. And other times she has to deal with like the cultural differences with earth. And I just, I just really love star. And I feel like all of that's really realistic. And, um, to a certain extent, the great things about the show kind of stop there. Uh, well, of course there's the animation, the production is all incredible. Um, I mean, things that aren't great are, uh, the mythology of the show is super, uh, super shallow. And, um, some of the episodes, I think, uh, plot-wise are, are not great, as we'll see when, when I discuss the two today. Um, oftentimes, with a few exceptions, the scripts are not wonderful. So I'm not going to sit here and say this is like a great show. It's like a good show. Sometimes it's only okay. But it is really fun, and I had a lot of, uh, a lot of fun uh, marathoning it and catching up for this, and I like genuinely enjoyed it. So there's my big speech. Justin, uh, <laughs> Respond My to, turn? Respond to any any of that and give give me your general impressions of the show, yes. Okay, so I will start my response by also offering a fusion of two shows. Mine just might be a bit more obscure. I see Star as a fusion of My Life as a Teenage Robot and Oishi High School Battle. If you get that second reference, I'm very, very okay, impressed. Well, I, I will not go into it. I haven't seen that second one. I haven't, I haven't thought of her being Jenny from uh, My Life is Teenage Robot. That's so she's good, very though, XJ9. Yeah, because yeah, she, she has to integrate into like human culture while not being human. And she's I, I totally see her as Jenny. That's and great. everyone just accepts a robot, or in this case, an interdimensional princess, <laughs> yeah, true, as yeah. just a part <laughs> of their life. They do, yes. So I think um, that's a good comparison, yeah. Yeah, it's, I like the show a lot, I thought. I thought it was definitely a breath of fresh air. I Actually, I messaged you at one point, and I said, the show is so cute, I'm going to start puking glitter. And I do mean that in a positive way. It's just, it's a very cute show. Just there's all the aesthetic. It's just, it's not dark and gritty. It's just, it's light, it's happy, it's cute. Even when the show kind of gets a darker tone, it's dark is still pretty lighthearted compared to a lot of shows. Yeah. And 
the fact that it's a Disney XD show really says a lot because that was kind of like that was created as kind of the boy channel, uh, the kind of counteract Disney channel, like as far as demographics yeah, go. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. That it's, was kind of where they wanted to put their more male-centric shows as far as key demographics go. Of course, also, anyone can watch anything. Yeah, they're, all, they're also just putting all their animation now on Disney. Yeah, Disney. now yeah. it's kind of become yeah. the safe haven for animation. Yeah. But uh, it is important. This is the first, I, w- I want to say it's sh- female showrunner on Disney XD, I think. Don't quote me. Well, on Disney XD, yeah. There's been one. Yeah. This is the second female showrunner on Disney as a whole for an animated series. or potential Yeah, but Pepper Ann was on before I was born. So. Oh, okay. That's, it's been two that. decades, right? So this is this is great. This is the uh, oh yeah Steven Universe of of Disney in that regard, mm-hmm. yeah. And just it was just a fun show, and I can't stop thinking about it. It's just it gets in your head, not in like a oh I, I have to analyze it. It's just the moments just stick with you. It's just yeah. a fun, memorable show. Um, I do have to point out, I'm kind of mad because the show introduced me to Space Unicorn, and it's now my ringtone, like Marco. And I'm kind of mad at it for doing that to me. Is it your ringtone because... It's my uh, ringtone. Is it your ringtone ironically or non-ironically? It's my ringtone referentially oh, to okay. Star. That That is one of my favorite parts of Marco. He's like, it's ironic, but he like still has it and isn't like embarrassed by it. Mm-hmm. I, love that. I love that. Yeah, I, I love the dynamic. I love the whole Diaz family. I love, I love the people in the world, too. Like The supporting characters kind of have... Like, they feel real. Like, especially towards the end, we kind of started getting a little bit more of Jackie. Like, she spoke, I think, like, halfway through the season. Uh, Jana, we got more of. Uh, we started seeing more and more of these people in the class. They kind of started building out that world. It, it's just, I, I like the direction they're going by introducing more people, I guess, in the class. I, I like that idea better because we have enough big villains I think we need to see more of the Earth world than we do the interdimensional world at this point. But overall, it's just a fun show. It's great. And when they do, when they do come to like a trope, like you were talking about being a teenager and going boy crazy, they do it so subversively. Yeah, like uh, the Muberty episode. They just yeah. do it so well. Which is which is clearly the weirdest episode of the show, and I liked it a lot. I mean, I I think it's one of the better ones, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's it's they, they she only goes boy crazy Mabel for one episode, right? And it's and yeah. it's done in like a an alien interesting way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they know what they're doing. They're aware that they're bucking a lot of trends, and they kind of revel in that fact. And I think it's definitely a good show. It's. Very encouraging. I think the fact that they do have such a good non-sexist male lead and they treat him in such a good way, I think that's very, very encouraging. And I think that's going to actually really, that's a really good thing for TV as a whole. I think we really needed Marco. Like, Star's a great character. We needed Star. I'd kind of argue that we needed Marco more because we needed to see a guy, like a teenage boy, interacting, having a crush, and not treating her like garbage i think we really needed to see that yeah my inclination is to agree with you but we're both coming from a a male perspective um yeah no marco is super important of course like uh it's it's the brief the brief version of the speech which i've given a few times the podcast like young boys need to understand like that girls are not uh inferior or like uh that they're not things to mess around with like they need to be seen as equals and um that you can have like non-romantic bonds with them and uh, marco encompasses like all the good things in the world basically (laughs) involved in terms of that um star is also very important of course and 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 i think in in a a, star also has great things the societally important wise like in terms of like fitting in when you're different um in terms of uh that still being uh still uh being capable of acting like a kid when you turn 14 i know a lot of uh like young teens or feel very pressured to act teenager like and stuff and seeing star um i just love that she's 14 that's such an important thing to me and i know she wasn't originally in the planning but like who cares but like um just uh, just having her be 14 and act like this i feel like i've never seen this on tv before and i'm really i'm really uh happy about that um are you a uh so who's your favorite character a star and marco my favorite character see i love star very very much she's she's wonderful she's just a peppy ball of energy. She's amazing. I, I kind of, I, I, I almost want to say Toffee, and that's so hard to say. But I, <laughs> okay. just, I enjoy him so much as a okay. villain. 
Rip. And I didn't expect that at all. I thought we were just going to stick with comedic. Rip. And then we got like a genuine threatening villain, and I was very, very impressed by that. Well, your fave is dead, so, you know. Uh, he's the Jasper of this of the show. He's dead. We'll discuss that in uh, in the in the episode discussion. Whether what happened to Toffee? Um, yeah, Toffee's great. I think he's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, Star Star is my fave. Do you ship uh, Starco? Yes or no? Oh, I was hoping we'd get the shipping. See, there comes an issue with this. Or are you a because Jackie really, Marco shipper? The only other ship Star remotely possibly has is Oscar, and we all agree that's a terrible, terrible idea. And so would be Tom. Those are both, those are terrible options. Marco is just a great person. And we see him, it's like every girl you see him interact with, you think, oh, he would treat her right. The only other guys we see Star talk to, though, are all terrible people. So you kind of want to ship Starco because it's the only good guy in Star's life. You didn't, I kind of ship Marco and Janna. Marco and uh, Jana, who is um, yes. barely a person, and I had to be told who Jana was by com- no, by she's commentary. not barely a person. She's, she's, I, she I, talks I, more than Jackie. Jackie is also barely a person, but Jackie is like name dropped more. I don't know if Jana's like ever. But whenever we see Marco and Jana interact, it's so cute and they're so fun. I honestly I couldn't like tell it. you one time that they interact, but I'll take your word for it. Um, I don't really remember that. But I Jana also looks like Jackie, I think. The character design is very similar, so maybe I get confused, but She's um, the one with the beanie, I think. She's the she's the weird uh one. <laughs> the Yes, the weird yeah. girl. Yes. That that's that's her. Um no, I think she's interesting. There's the one episode where they took a trip to um to like the uh the attractions dimension. That's the yes. one I remember. That's the one I remember him from. Other than that, I couldn't tell you what, what episode she was in. But um okay, you're the I, I know that is a ship, Marco and Jana, yeah. That um, is a ship. I have other people. Uh I believe that is a ship. I mean, I've only been seeing posts about this for a week, but yeah, I believe Sweet. that is a ship. Um I mean I, I think it's I IMO, it's Starco or Bust, but you know, whatever. I, I I want to see either Starco or non-romantic Star and Marco, and neither of them get into romantic relationships with other people. That's those are my. So options. you do not like Marco and Jackie at all. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Um, it's fine. Whatever. Uh, those the point of those type of crush things in these in these shows is not for them to actually happen. Uh, like that's like that's not how life works. So I, I don't I don't think I ship it. But it's it's whatever. She's cool. And I like Marco, so. But wouldn't it be all subversive and stuff if, if, it, if Marco it did, actually it? did talk to her and he actually did end up with her? Well, he and said, hey. The message that you can end up with your crush if you just talk to them. Yeah, I don't think that's the message that you can optimally send, but they could do that. Uh, uh, who's the demon guy? Is it Tom? Tom uh, is the demon ex-boyfriend. Yeah, I, I fear that people do ship Star and him. Uh, please don't. No. Do and no, please do not no. comment. Ship, no, that's not. I ban star and tom shipping my first decree <laughs> on the star on the star podcast i second your band for the star first time and tom ever, shipping tom is a jerk uh at least he's trying to improve his life but can you ship tom jerk. and his anger management coach yes that you can yes. do that's acceptable his, his weirdly human uh anger management coach tom x brian make it happen uh, brian okay i'll take your word for name, these. Brian. i think you caught up more recently i'll take your word on character names um but yeah uh i i mean he is part of the best episode of the show um yeah by the way blood moon ball i have a re a, a, my first instinct was to say i don't know what the best episode is i'm now in on blood moon ball being the best one um the dance between star and marco is cinematic and incredible and then the, the uh, speech stars i need a friend not hero speech at the end is my favorite part of the show like flat out i was like i was afraid going into that that they weren't going to do it right and then they did it right and i'm so happy <laughs> so i i think that was great um I, I, the other best episodes i think are probably the first two star comes to earth and party with the pony um there's other good ones too star i mean star storm the castle is also very good and um uh saint olga's uh the saint olga's episodes oh good. yeah the saint olga's yeah. one was incredible i thought there was a lot i thought there was a lot of good stuff there i figured you would like that one more yeah, I mean, I'd probably put it fourth on the episode. Right okay. It's behind the, the first two and Blood Moon. So it's very hot. Also, Jessica Walters in that episode, who is my favorite voice actress probably on TV um, and is the best. And um, I, I don't know. I haven't seen her in like a kid show before, so that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
other parts of the show, I mean, we're going long on general discussion. Uh, the theme song's incredible. Oh, uh, yes. The theme song, the end credit song. They are yeah, the end incredible. credit song's also good. I think the, theme, the, the theme song in the opening sequence, I think it's my favorite one on TV right now. I'm trying to think. Um, mm. I, I think it's better than Steven Universe. Uh, Is it better than Ladybug? But I'm biased. I love Ladybug's opening. Yeah, that's true. Ladybug's also I up should. there. I, I, I'll take, I don't know. I need some time. I've listened to Ladybug a lot. I've listened to this one a lot. Um, this I've listened is, to this one a lot lately. Um, but yeah, I, I just I keep repeating it on on YouTube and um, I'm talking rainbow. The best part is the ending uh, when they they kind of synchronize the bouncing at the end. Um, and it's yeah, it's, it's totally an old school cartoon slash anime type theme, and it's great. oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe they updated the supporting cast. I've heard that they updated. Uh, yeah, I, I do think that's true. Um, so we'll go over that on on the episode discussion. So they did, they didn't, they, the theme is the same this season, but they updated the, uh, the one star illuminates the background with her wand. And we see everyone like the Simpsons pan through the, all the supporting cast type shot. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I've seen that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, other things we'll, we'll get into other parts of the show, but I mean, I don't want to quickly, like the bad things are the fact that if I'm going through the episode list, uh, probably 60 to 70% of the episodes I would say are, um, uh only very slightly above average average or below average episodes of television uh i think the show is kind of better in concepts than it has been in execution not like concept but more like overall it's really good and, yeah and if you're going to drill down like a lot of these episodes just aren't very good um which is okay i mean it's the first season like i always say this yeah. on this podcast like first seasons of television shows are never good (laughs) like never um so when we actually do have good like i do think this was overall uh an above average season of television but only slightly because uh most of the episodes were probably uh average or subpar television episodes uh when you get good ones though at the show it's really great but a lot of the times you get ones i mean like spoiler alert for my opinions on the season i think the first two of the season also weren't very good so we'll talk about that but um I, okay, I, I, I we'll, we'll get to that. I have a lot of people disagreeing about Ludo in the Wild. I will, we'll talk about it, but um, we will fight because I actually really enjoyed that episode. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk about, it. but yeah, I just I think that's my main thing with the show. Do you agree with that assessment that half of the episodes of the show are average or below average? Yeah, but my thing is, it's this isn't the kind of show where I look at it and I'm like, it's not, uh, it's not deep enough. It's not doing this well enough because. It is. It's kind of a throwback to those lighthearted 80s cartoons where it's just, it's not meant to, when it doesn't, when it's not trying to be all deep, it's not trying to be deep at all. It's just trying to be fun. And I think for just being lighthearted entertainment, it does that well, even if it's not always the best. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Even when it's not good, it was, I was still having fun watching it. The laser puppies are probably oh, okay. the greatest thing ever invented. Uh, okay, I'm glad we're on the same page. I think the laser puppies are one of the best recurring gags I've seen on television. When the laser puppy talked, oh. Just because, here's what's great about the laser puppy. At first, that was Mabel's grappling hook from Gravity Falls, a first episode gag that they just no, don't never bring back, but people always remember because it was in the first episode. And we go like about a fourth to a half of the season without seeing them again. But then they just come back and are in the background of like the rest of the Every episodes. scene. Yeah. Uh, and it's like a wonderful concept. It's really great. Um, Didn't was it was it, I guess spoiler alert for the last episode wasn't it in the new one where she actually like uses the laser puppy like a machine yes, gun or something? Yes. She is in the first episode of the season. Yeah. Yes, that was yeah. adorable. Yeah, it was great. I really like that. So yeah, I, I I love the laser puppies. That's one of my favorite elements too. Um, the mythology of the show is very uh, weak, but that's okay. Like you said, it doesn't really matter. Um, I don't like this is a show where the main character spouts random words uh, in order to cast random things coming out of her magic unexplained wand. Um, but like, who cares? <laughs> you know, that's not easy important. peasy time freezy. Yeah, I, it's it's great. And it, like, that's like such an aesthetic element of the show rather than um, being like something that's supposed to make sense. And that's fine. That's mm-hmm. great. Um, I like and I'm that my hangups with the show are not when the mythology lacks my hangups are when the substance isn't there. This is an argument we're going to get into with it's this is a distinction I'll need to make when we discuss uh, upcoming episodes of Steven Universe. I don't care if there's no plot in an episode. I care if there's no substance in an episode. It's a difference like, okay, I, like, um, 
my new wand didn't have a lot of plot. I feel I feel like it was devoid of substance. Like that's the problem. I think that it's a very surface level episode that doesn't really get into any deep character moments, even though it very clearly could have. Um, so that's more of my problem. It's not. I like. I don't care about the plot. This is a show. Where, this is a show where we go to random dimensions. Sometimes, sometimes we stay in school and do whatever. Um, like whatever the show wants to do, it's fine. I just need some sort of uh, char- depth of characterization or uh, depth of interaction or depth of, or you could have depth of plot, which like the last episode I think is also lacking in characterization and interaction, like the finale of season one, but it gets there on depth of plot. So like it gets there Mm -hmm. Um, most of the time the show doesn't do that. So I think that's interesting. So it's, it's like, well, well, characterization kind of going off that. Sorry. That wasn't the first time we saw star and toffee meet. So that was kind of like, Sure. It, it, yeah, yeah, it had its characterization moments, and I don't mean like connecting through. I, I just mean like present presentation of characters. There's some yeah. good moments of Storm in the Castle. I don't want to say it was like a bad characterization episode, but um, uh, we can we can get into my new one, and I can talk about hangups. Okay. Like but uh, in general, I think that the show, uh, if it wants to be like a, a very good show, because I don't think it's a very good show. I think it's like a good show. It's a show that I definitely like watching, and a certain element of that. You were talking about like how cute the show is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm very much on like cute shows right now, and that's why I like love the new Powerpuff Girls. Like that's like very much the reason why. Um, so like this is just something that I enjoy watching at the moment for whatever reason at this point in my life. But um, I think that if you're not as in on this type of thing, then the show probably lacks a certain appeal. Um, I think if the show wants to become a very good show, then it needs to have some sort of depth uh, in whatever it wants to do. It could go in a lot of directions. I don't care where it goes, but um, you need to execute like uh, like you can do a Blood Moon Ball. Like they're capable of that. So you need to get to that level of consistency, that the consistency that the show actually had in the first two episodes, and you need to maintain it for the rest of the season. Um, and not just when you do plot episodes like St. Olga's or uh, Storm the Castle, also for episodes um, like, uh, I, I don't know, Fortune Cookies. I don't remember that being anything. Free- Freeze Day actually was a good episode. The um, Fortune Cookie one, had that that had some good stuff to it, I thought. All that, so here's the thing. We go through all of them. They all have at least a little bit of good stuff, right? Like, it's not right. like any of the episodes are bad. So that, or Below average doesn't mean bad, you know. Oh, one other thing I want to mention. So this podcast is very uh, progressive, and we talk about progressive elements of a lot of shows. To a certain extent, Star is a little bit atypical of uh, the type of show we watch. It's a very uh, progressive-wise, substance-less show about a male and a female. Uh, But I actually think – but there's two areas which the show really excels progressively. One, of course, is the fact that uh, Star is a female lead who's like actually a female lead, and the show has a female showrunner. Um, that's like, I didn't know the show, like I knew that star was cute and, uh, like the show would appeal to me in some way. Uh, once I learned the second, I learned this at a female show and I accelerated the us covering it process. Like that's a big deal to me. Um, but, uh, unexpectedly, I think the show is uh, great racially, uh, racial diversity. Um, yeah, just casually, uh, Marco's like, uh, half or full. I'm not entirely clear on his mom, Hispanic. Right. And it's, it's, it's great. It's just like the whole family is just Hispanic. And, um, uh, it's like not a big deal. Also, a lot of the random characters they show are not white. Um, and, uh, just the show is very racially diverse, uh, even though their, uh, alien, uh, lead girl is somehow, uh, blonde hair blue eyed even though she's an alien you know they make up for this by you know having the rest of the show be, there's the cast be very diverse so i think that's a wonderful thing about the show mm-hmm. uh, yeah okay so uh and you don't it's like not even a thing really except i guess uh i don't know i don't know if it's ever it's it's like never super important in in talking about it but it's 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 really necessary to kind of get this feel-good attitude from or, mm-hmm. or yeah, or else you get hung up on it just being a typical boy girl lead show. Okay, let's talk about My New Wand and Ludo in the Wild. Let's start with My New Wand. Um, so uh, we actually had plot stuff to cover at the end of last uh, at the end of last time. So we leave off with let me get my episode outline out. But we left off with um, Star's wand. Uh, she lost it, then she has it back, but there's only half of the star on it. Uh, Ludo's been uh like the castle's gone right and um, yeah ludo's something i think we learned the ludo the ludo update here and then uh toffee something happened with toffee so 
we get most of our plot stuff in Ludo in the Wild regarding the villains, but at least with Star, we have Star trying to repair her wand here. Um, from a plot perspective with this first episode on the Star side of things, are you satisfied with how Mindy Wan treated uh, the, the plot of the show? Um, I feel like I like what we got out of this episode because I think the three big things basically were that the wand's kind of wonky. Uh, Star can do magic without the wand. And I'd consider this a plot element because I swear it's going to come back. Her diary. Those were the big three things we got out of the episode, I think, as far as plot developments. Her journal. Journal, yes. Not diary, journal. You're right. Don't read my journal. Yeah. Her her journal. Um, I I don't know if that was a big plot thing or not, but yeah. I think it will be because we hadn't seen it at all. Not even like her casually writing in it, to the best of my knowledge. And the fact that kind of just came out of nowhere. Uh, what do you think of how they handled the wand? Um, I mean, I was okay with it. I had no issues with it, I guess. Uh, when it comes to the show's mythology, it's kind of like, do your thing. I don't know where you're going with it. I don't know if you know where you're going with it. So just whatever you need to do with it. Yeah. The only, the, I don't, yeah, I don't really care either. The only hang up is that it, uh, the entire, all the mythology stuff presented in these two episodes was uh, frustrating the surface, superficial. Um, we like see this like buffed up unicorn running in the wand. We see yeah. Glasswork trying to fix the wand and none of it amounts to anything. Um, that's fine if you pay off character moments, but I think this episode also doesn't really pay off character moments. The journal is a great example mm. of this. This is a really interesting concept. Um, but then all it amounts to is didn't read my journal, Marco. But we got um, a good moment, I think, from Star and her mom. I thought that moment was actually pretty cool. So okay, right. So Star talking to her mom. I think that's probably the best part of the episode. Um, starts. We learn that Star's. I don't know if this is a thing that was known, but Star's mom also uh, had the wand at the same time as Star and learned wow. magic and had Glasseric and like. I, I think we cool. knew it was handed down, but I don't think we realized it was handed off, handed down. Mate, I don't even know how to pronounce the word. Matriarchally or matriarchally. Yeah, like I didn't. Yeah, we knew that it was handed down, but I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I didn't know that her mom went through like training like stars. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I I love the call to her mom, especially because last season we have the uh, call uh, mom, and that was Tom. Well, we had that, and we also had um uh, the uh, you have uh, mommy issues, and she's like, I have mom issues. Yeah, wait, what's what's mom issues? Right, like I think that was great. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm glad we're exploring this. And this is like a great example of why Star is like a, a complex character, um, mm-hmm. like these type of facets of her personality. I agree. That was like the best part of the episode. What other what else stood out to you from it? Um, all the scenes of Morco in the closet, I thought were just fun gag after gag after gag. I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed that as kind of like a parallel to what Star was doing. I, it wasn't great TV, but it was fun. Yeah, so this is the perfect example of what I'm talking about without substance. Marco in the closet. Marco, it's Marco's a good character. Some sort of funny things are happening. What it amounts to is absolutely nothing for his character, for the plot, for the, his uh, dynamic with Star. That goes nowhere. Uh, like that was very frustrating to me. Why don't we just do something with that? We don't need it to be some big plot element. But why aren't they going to talk about why she's a closet full of secrets? Why aren't you guys talking about keeping secrets in terms of your friendship? Like, what's Give me something. Yeah. Give me something here. Come on. It could have been as he was sorting, like just something like, why does she need a whole closet of secrets? Why? How does this count as a secret? Just some monologue thing. Yeah, and that would have best... still been funny. Yeah, but given something. And yeah, because everything's just so substanceless. The best, but like they do talk. They have this great scene where they're lying, both lying on their backs, like heads, like separated by the door and stuff, and they're talking. But then that never does doesn't do anything. Like they don't go anywhere with that discussion. Um. I, I I felt that that was that was I loved the visual like I think this mm-hmm. episode visually is doing a lot of good things I love the visual of them um like lying like that uh good good Starco moment hashtag Starco moment there but um ultimately it doesn't really amount to anything would you agree with that Yeah I'm curious do you like Glossark at all as a character Okay let's talk about Glossark so um Glossark previously appeared in um the uh the muberty one right and then, yeah um, he he popped up a couple of times i know muberty was and the then in the one. finale i feel like was i think it was it was the finale muberty and there may have been one more one where he popped up so I think. first thing so one thing with glasswick is that jeffrey tambor voices uh glasswick and um 
he's in the Muberty, uh he has his uh lick the sides thing and then they reference that again but that was like hilarious like jeffrey Tambor yes. is really good in this role um other than that i basically hate glasserick i think that um glasserick is uh some version of racist i am not completely sure how much i think this <laughs> i think this archetype uh so this this he's a uh i mean jeffrey Tambor voicing this um it's it's like the Robin Williams genie. Like if you're gonna call Jeffrey Tambor's Glasserick like a racist uh, characterization, I feel like you have to call the Robin Williams genie also racist. And I feel like they probably both are. This is more over the top and more uh, absurd. So I, it, it does stand out as um, not progressive in an otherwise racially progressive show. So that's annoying. Number one. Number two. Glasserick in this episode just sucks. Um, like yeah. he, gives, he gives me nothing. Uh, I kind of hate. He's like super vague. I hate his references to weird things. The uh, the the chunks and um, you know whatever's going on with that. I kind of hated all that. So no, I'm I'm I initially was very in on Glasserick. Uh, his first episode. Now I'm like very out. I was out from the beginning. Like I, I kind of like. I mean, the pudding line, yeah, it was fun. I, I liked Marco referencing it more than I actually liked the line. And, I think my thing is the G, comparing back to Robin Williams' genie. The genie tries to help. He's a genuine. He at least is trying to be helpful, and his references are at least fun. Glosseric just feels needless. He doesn't help at all. Like No, he he's actually hindering, I'd say. <laughs> yes, he doesn't do anything. I mean, he's examining the wand, and then it's like, eh. An actual glossary would have been more helpful. Oh, yeah, Glasserick does talk to uh, the parents in the finale, I think, or something yes. like that. Yeah, I thought that that was the first clue that uh, that the, this uh, passing down type thing was happening. So I thought that was interesting. But yeah, Glasserick in this episode's the worst. <laughs> Just the worst. Um, super not helpful. Clearly the, the worst part of the episode, I'd say. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Uh, not a fan of this one. Um, I, I do think the, uh, I do think the shtick with him doing like, uh, the scrape the sides, they tried to extrapolate it into his character this episode. And I don't think it worked. Some people probably disagree. Um, let us know if you're Glosseric fans, but, uh, that was certainly not. Well, what else you got? What else you got in this episode? It's only 10 minutes. So there's only, this episode minutes. was kind of, uh, to me. I mean, it was, so you're, you're with me on this being not great. Yeah, I mean, the gags were fun. Again, Laser Puppy Machine Gun is probably my favorite gag they've done. I thought that was so cute. I just but, I just imagine if I was a star fan from when it originally aired, and then we had to wait like a year. I don't know, actually know how long there was between this and this. I can look this up as we're going. But at least a few months. Like, at least probably nine last months. Last episode aired in September, so yeah, like... Uh, three quarters of a year and then uh i'm like okay this. I get to see star again i get to get back into this dynamic of the show and then they give us this super substanceless episode with lot like heavy glossary i'd be so disappointed <laughs> with that i'd just be so disappointed i was already disappointed i only waited like five days <laughs> for this um i would have rather gotten like a jackie episode than a glossary no, episode because that's no, what this is this was a glossary episode there were no jackie episodes in the show but no this was a star episode to a certain extent um okay so we true. have star learning this uh castingless spell thing dip down yeah so dip down's the worst uh get out with that <laughs> um and then uh, even her mom dip down ban I mean, no, because it's a plot element. Um, but even even her mom was talking in stupid generalities. You have to give it everything you have or whatever. Like, come on, just someone say something of substance, please. Uh, yeah, uh, but I'd like Star having to like learn and she's like, apparently she's advanced. That scene with her mom was great. And I think I took the screenshot of this podcast from that scene. Clearly the best scene of the episode. Um, but uh, she's, I, I like her learning something. And I loved, I actually really loved the uh, climax of her opening the door. She gets kind of Muberty-ish uh, in some form too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that hints at potential future mythology of the show, her turning into some sort of different colored fairy or butterfly. I assume it's a butterfly, but because um, her name's Butterfly. Um, like she has wings. Let's remember, we haven't really addressed that. She has wings at the end of Muberty, right? Um, oh, Yes we forget about this her beauty wings um so i assume that's the next progression of this and i like progressing it in this way um I, I, star's disposition for all of this uh which is her typical disposition of like um i don't know how to describe it <laughs> but you, you can tell you it's just the way she acts when plot stuff happens you know um i think that's it's interesting and um a little bit frustrating that we never like see her comments on anything or 
address it. It's she mm-hmm. she goes from like serious like ooh to uh, silly star, which is I just feel like it's very realistic though. So yeah, um, that is Star's character, and it's, I feel like it's like a real human. It's like <laughs> even though she's she's a uh, magic uh, space butterfly type thing, but um, yeah, I, I I was a fan of the opening the door, even if it was like five seconds. So that's the other good thing from the episode. Let's let's go. I have some other stuff written down. Let's go through that. So yeah, I said the the theme song they updated the supporting cast, including Starfam thirteen. Um, so who we cut to uh, as stars recording her vlog in the beginning? Oh yeah, which I thought was. Are we really gonna see weird. more of her? Uh, she was in. She's in the opening credits now. <laughs> so maybe Starfam thirteen. Uh, are you Starfam thirteen? Is that you? No, I'm fourteen. Sorry. Oh, you're fourteen years old. Okay. I no, no, Starfam fourteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, I the, yeah. I was a bit late to the bandwagon. Yeah, I mean that might be my screen name. I'm that's thirteens in my screen name, so maybe maybe that's me. But yeah, that was great. And then yeah, why is she recording a vlog? Like I, I that was very lady blog. That was very yeah, lady bog, lady bugish. Um, they'd never done that before. It's a great way to reintegrate into the season, but it's just very uh, incongruous with what the show normally does. But at the same time, it did feel very current. It did feel very current and modern. Yeah, I agree. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, they recap the finale, and then we see Starfan thirteen, and uh, uh, her with oh, and then the laser puppy comes in, and she's like, "No, no, no, not now, sweetie." She says to the I know laser puppy, "It's great." Uh, then they bring it back. It's great. Um, secrets classic, Glasseric, uh Yeah, the find her secret type thing. Like, what was the point of that? We don't get any payoff to that. Like, come on. Um, like, did he know that that would be the one thing that would make her be able to dip down and open the door? Oh, yeah, I guess that's where that's going. Like, if he's about to read her journal, then Glass, really, Glassrick planned all that? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure about that. He's because... smarter than we give him credit for. Well, I give him credit for no smarts because he's the worst. But um, dip down exactly. and do, do magic without the wand. Um, so... If Star can do magic without the wand, doesn't this eliminate the entire point of the show of Ludo trying to take her wand? Well, she didn't know how to... Well, the wand is still powerful. It's just she's more powerful, or she just, has the capacity to become more powerful than the wand. Then you can just but lock the But very few people do. You can just lock the wand away, though, and now Star can just do magic without the wand. Well, due to part two, we no longer have to worry about locking the wand away because somebody broke the wand. We'll Not naming about, names. Okay, we'll talk about that in part two. Um... Uh, Glasser trying to fix the wand, which doesn't go anywhere. Um, Star dipping down, Marco doing whatever. <laughs> yeah, Marco, pretty useless for a little bit. Um, yeah, calling mom. I didn't learn that until I was 19. Uh, I thought that was great. No instructions. Uh, that sounds familiar. So they like bond over Glasserick. Mm-hmm. Give it everything you have. Then we see like the muscle unicorn in the wands. Um, so we had the Starco talking to each other, lying down scene. Uh, Star's, Star's journal, chapter one. Mom's a poop head uh chapter 11 my thoughts on marco <laughs> so what do you think was in chapter 11 i don't i don't think stars writing down oh Marco's so cute like why why can't she why can't he read that i i don't think she's writing down anything superficial about him being like cute or anything this is star we're talking about though it's probably it's probably either something super stupid like completely silly and random and only star would think of it like, oh, Marco snores too loud, or something along those lines of like starisms. Or mm. it's personality based. Yeah. I doubt it's anything superficial, yeah. cutesy. I agree with that. So, you think she, it's possible she's writing down something like, uh, uh, Marco and I have been getting along. We've been getting, we had this big event and we bonded over that. I could see myself like marrying Marco or something like that. He's really cool. Something like that. Yeah, especially if she wrote in her journal going a bit headcanon here she wrote in her journal the night of the blood moon ball there could definitely be some marco some marco feels in there yeah Um, like i'm mad at him but i get what he was trying to do and oh i I don't know what to do the feels ah do you think she's writing down the feels i don't know if she's a a grasp of that earth culture yet maybe we don't know how much (laughs) tv she watches maybe she just sits there watching 90210 all day we don't know is she gonna watch uh uh, campaigning yeah, yeah and then is she gonna ship percy and pierre is that is 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 star uh peridot is that what's going on no the arcs are similar in that they have to like adapt to earth and stuff you know 
Yes, that's right. But general. one of them was introduced as yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. Already, okay, we don't good. need to get, <laughs> need to get into that. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the the most the biggest takeaway is that this means Star has thoughts on Marco that you won't tell him. Um, I don't, yes. I don't think that's obvious because uh, to a certain extent, it seems like Star is a very uh, a very uh, surface level, no secrets type of person. But at mm-hmm. the same time, um, that's just her personality, her bubbly personality, and it doesn't necessarily mean she's going to tell Marco everything. Right. So I think that's right. I think to me, this is new information. Um, she has things that she doesn't want Marco to see. Yes. And I love that it seemed she seemed I don't want to say OK with him reading the other parts, but less quick to stop him. Yeah, I think this like, imp- this implies that there's some sort of uh, romantic discussion here. Um, yeah. But that could just be the Starco coming out, the the Starco biasing it. I'm not even Starco, and I I thought that. How so. are you not Starco? Like it's so baffling. I like Jana. I'm sorry. You can. Jana's not a person. Like, come on. Jana is a person. I know. And she to, at least I, cares for Marco, as we see in a couple episodes. She cares for him more than Jackie does, at least. I know commenter Steve was in on uh, Jana. He's like, that's my favorite character. I'm like, I don't know who that is. <gasps> Yay! So uh, we can. Bu- okay, let's talk about Ludo in the Wild. Um, yes, please. I like this episode. Uh, okay, what? T- talk to me about your opinion of Ludo in the Wild. See, it has. They could have very simply shown in the last snippet of the season one finale, Ludo being the one who found the little, the other half of the star. They could have done that so easily and left it there. They could have done it at the end of the new one. They could have done it at any point in time. They didn't need a full episode about what happened to Ludo before he found it. I'm so glad they did because uh, anyone who knows me knows I really like kind of experimental separate episodes, things that kind of go a different route from what you'd expect. And this did that. I, I love the setup with like the day one, day 37, 65, 90, kind of the way they progressed. And just the slow building of Ludo, like breaking him down to nothing, building this up, finally putting him in some position of power in this new world that he didn't know what it was. It was like when he was finally away from what he had wanted so long, he finally had power. And then I love that whole, like, I don't think Star was actually there. I love that whole, I think it was an illusion. Yeah, I think it's pretty The way that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I love the way that happened him getting all his power and then being drawn away from it and final like finding the star seeing his he's on muni i just something about the episode i like more experimental styles mm-hmm. of storytelling and this was this was a very quiet episode apart from ludo talking so do you think this was a good episode or do you think this was like <gasps> one of the show's um, best episodes See, it's hard to say it's one of the show's best episodes because really, apart from the last second, it has no actual bearing on the show. It's not really like an episode. I think show. it's yeah. one of the best episodes the show has produced. I wouldn't say it's the best of the show. And I know that kind of doesn't make sense. Yeah, I know. But it's, it's, like, just, it's just so different. It's hard to tell. Yeah, it's like I could see this being on its own considered a great episode. But I think in the canon of Star, it's not considered a great episode. I mean, I think yeah. it's you, you could, but it's hard to yeah, it's hard to tell. Um, okay, yeah. So uh, to me, Ludo in the Wild is like a, uh, a, a Pixar short before a Pixar movie, like the recent um, okay. one with the recent one with the sequels. Like that's obviously good. That short, like it's gorgeous. Uh, you're doing tremendous amounts of storytelling without talking. Um, but it's not, I don't like, think it was good. I mean, it was like a thing. Like, to me, this isn't my type of episode. Like, look, I, I understand that Ludo in the Wild is good. Um, it, th- potentially, this is the best thing the show has done. I could I could uh, understand that argument. They do tremendous amounts of interesting storytelling. Not tremendous. Some amount of interesting storytelling without really having much dialogue. Um, thematically, it's, it's good. Uh, it's got incredible animation. And it ends in a really good way. Um, I'm... If you want to say that this is clearly the best episode the show has produced, that's fine. Uh, this isn't my type of episode. There's no storytelling happening, really. Um, it's 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 mostly just substanceless Ludo bonding with animals. And, uh, you know, uh, if you've listened to me for a long time, I don't think this is a super surprising development that the episode, without much dialogue, I'm not in love with and without much story happening. Um, so I don't have I don't have much takeaways from it. Uh, I'd. I, I the one thing I will say I don't want this 
I'm happy the show did something interesting. I'm not happy that it was at the expense of uh, the things that the show is good at. This show, this is like nothing. Like we said, this is just not an episode of Star. Um, this isn't like cute and fun. This is like uh, maybe kind of fun and interesting and like gorgeous and cinematic. But uh, this isn't like what I'm watching Star for. So uh, I was a little bit. I was frustrated in that regard that being said i still recognize if if that it was a uh, an accomplishment and um good for them for doing this uh just don't do it again this season is what i would say yeah yeah i definitely say i think this is definitely it's special because it is so different if they were to try to do this again i don't think it would work i think it works because it's so unique and so different and it's definitely very very different from anything stars done I'm glad they took this one episode to kind of break the format. And I think I think they had to kind of give us some setup kind of to humanize Ludo a bit because so far he's just been a gag. And if they are going to give him any kind of real relevance, which it seems that's where they're going, maybe not make him the main villain again, but at least making him more a character than a punching bag, we're going to need to at least care a little about him. And I think that's what this episode accomplished. I don't think it was good star, but I think it was good for what it was. Yeah. And we'll talk about Luna in a second. Um, I, I do find it frustrating that the one that the time they try to break the format, they go in a direction of less substantial storytelling, which is already my problem with the show. Um, like, uh, I would I would prefer a super plot heavy break the format type episode with Ludo as opposed to this. I think this is um, not encouraging to me that they understand necessarily what's holding them back. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's kind of my perspective. That being said, again, it's just a one off. It's whatever they can do. They can. I, this is the episode you submit for the Emmy, I guess. Uh, even though uh, they submitted Blood Moon Ball for the Emmy and did not get nominated, but that was for the previous. This it'll be a new go around for next year. Um, also, this aired in the daytime, so I couldn't even submit it for. Primetime. Well, you can submit it for a daytime Emmy, you which could, is our thing. Which are a thing and are not important. The primetime Emmy rules, though, if, if later up season, episodes of the season air at night, then it would qualify, I believe. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to talk about Ludo in the Wild. I think it would, definitely think it was gorgeous and it was interesting that they did this. We'll talk about Ludo uh, as a character in a second. But um, we st- uh, quickly going through that line, Ludo in space, uh, star just like dimensional scissors and throwing him into like... <laughs> Like that was space. classic. That's pretty pretty interesting. Um, floating in space, stuff with the chips. Like I'm not in on this type of stuff. Um, that felt too Ice Age for me. I did not like that. Oh, that was, was so scared. that was so Ice Age in the squirrel because that was Stratton the little acorn. And I'm yeah. like, if we get 11 minutes of yeah. the worst part of Ice Age, Ice Age four, I think just came out or something. I five, think, oh. five. God, five. Let me let me. Twenty three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's higher than I thought. Would have thought for this. Um, it's still is that early. still better than Cars two? Uh, no, Cars two. I think Cars two actually had a something close to a fresh rating. Cars two is okay. a good. Cars two is a good movie. We don't need to get into that. It's not a great movie, but it's a good movie. Anyway, um, we haven't we haven't discussed that on the podcast yet. But me and Mel will eventually get there. Um, so uh, lands on this planet. Uh, stuff with the bird. Yada yada yada, then the sp- stuff with the spider. Oh, I love the spider element of the show. I thought that was the best part of the episode. Was just because it, it, it's, it's kind the longest of part for sure. It's kind of a trope, you know. And it was with the, the oh, I don't want you stuff. with me. <laughs> yeah, and it's the eventual acceptance, and yeah. then I thought they were going to go the more traditional route of like befriending the spider, and then they kind of flipped it and like yeah, control the spider. I, yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, I that was, that was when I started to get into the episode a little bit. Was when he eventually uh, tames the spider. Although I thought it was unrealistically quick. Um, not helping this. My opinion of this episode is my arachnophobia. So was not <laughs> not happy. Though the, the spider was not. It didn't look like a spider, so it's fine. Like it was a, like a very cartoon. The spider. scene with the spider eating the other insect. I thought that was a bit much for the rating of the show. I mean, it's like I wouldn't have expected that because Star is TVY seven. I would not have expected that that we'd see a character who was talking start being eaten and then this, this random... is a, uh, a socially accepted uh, thing. Um, I you, if you want to analyze it and say that this is actually more violent than a lot of the stuff that isn't socially <sighs> accepted, I would agree. But uh, this is just very much like and like a spider eating a bug is 
you could you could yeah put, you, could, you could put but, that on g like it's no one's gonna care but yeah i agree so we don't need to yeah talk too much but yeah that was that was that was hard to watch at some points i thought yeah having him talk and then you know that's it's interesting um ludo says nature is a cruel mother and favors the something i couldn't i played that back twice and i couldn't figure out what oh. word with M oh oh saying. what was it it was it was a word that starts with m and then i don't know favors merciless merciless okay um uh alan tudyk's uh <laughs> accent on that by the way uh uh alan tudyk is uh great and uh firefly and he's great, the the so. king of disney voice actors alan tudyk okay interesting well, uh, look at all the movies he's been in recently for disney yeah uh he's he's very good in this role but um yeah, he's, I, I couldn't understand that word. But merciless, and so in order to survive, Ludo in the wild must find the wild in Ludo. They're very much trying to do like an art film type of thing. Yes, um, it yeah. was. It was that art house. Yeah. Indie. Yeah. Yeah, but then the best part for me is the Star Vision. Um, then finds uh finds half of the 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 missing half of the one star in a skeleton arm. I'm on um, uni, and then day one. Uh, very those day numbers were also very much like art house film type. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so he has part of uh, the wand's power in the arm of Toffee. Potentially, I saw a discussion of this on uh, Co as if this was like a confirmed thing that this is the arm of Toffee. But I'm, Co, uh, don't worry about it. And uh, but it's. Uh, it's it's I don't think it was clear from the episode. I guess you can imply it from the end of last season though. I th- I think it is, but I don't think Toffee's dead. I have a feeling we're going to get one-armed Toffee. So is is Toffee dead, right? No, I don't think they're going to kill off that great a character. They are not going to pull the Darth Maul of Star basically because that's what that would be introduce a great villain and kill them off yeah quickly on toffee uh the reason i like toffee is because they introduce his character him pulling like the stupid uh this is how you game the job interview type thing um Mm -hmm. he's like and you're you've already hired me uh but then like the villain who's uh our character who we know who's interacting with him is stupid enough to fall for that and then um he's and then he actually just becomes evil like and he's like takes over the villain part of the show i love going from stupid job interview thing to like the true villain of the show uh, yeah it's really great a really great arc for for toffee um i, I find him interesting yeah uh i know uh, a lot of people uh on the website on the article you wrote they were comparing toffee's arc to kind of azula and um the daily yeah uh i sure. thought i thought sure. it was a good i thought it was a sure. good comparison sure. a little yeah i mean it's it's a thing uh clearly toffee is less significant but um and he's he was in for like six episodes or something. as far as we know toffee's less significant he could be the main he could be the main uh villain of the show but i mean in terms of like azula at that point was slightly more significant that being said azula comes in halfway through the show this yes. character comes in halfway so maybe that is a good comparison in terms of like taking over the troops but, uh, but especially the scene itself where it's like they're with me not you Who's more competent, Long Fang or uh, or Ludo? Mm-hmm. Long Fang. Who's or more Ludo? Long Fang or Ludo? Oh, 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 yeah, Long Fang. The answer is Long Fang, but that's okay. Um. <laughs> okay, Ludo actually rescued these monsters. He's like running an orphanage, basically, for monsters. Yeah. Long so, Fang, he just recruited soldiers. Ludo, Ludo Ludo's a better like, person, clearly. Um, somehow, Ludo is the better person. So let's I, talk about Ludo quickly. Uh, do you think this is a good character? At first, I thought it would be kind of a pointless character. In hindsight, I actually do like the character of Ludo. I he's grown on me a lot. I like what they're doing with him. I don't. I I want to know why he wants. I want to know why he hates the butterfly family so much. Yeah, because I feel like there's more there than because he's clearly much older than Star, and I think we're gonna see like Star's father did something, or there, there's some interaction in a past life. And I say Star's father because I know he loved monster hunting. I feel we're going to get something with that soon. Yeah. So we don't know nothing about Ludo. Um, initially he's just the stupid villain. Right. Uh, but then they give him depth. Um, they make him, they show his interactions with his monster crew. They give his monster crew depth. Um, they show like, he's actually a good person. He's like, I brought you in like, uh, and all that stuff. Maybe I have a Ludo impression somewhere in me. I'll work on that. Um, but, uh, they and then they make him, they do this episode, which does wonders for Ludo's character. And he goes from like, um, 
like kind of just silly villain to uh and like some stupidly like presented as evil uh like kind of for no reason because then we start seeing that he's like not a bad person and it's like Mm -hmm. okay why is he evil why does he want the wand it's just kind of comical um to at this point where he could be some sort of uh not a villain some sort of like vigilante type character on the show some sort of anti-hero type character we I feel like the way they're going, they are going to definitely humanize the monsters. Uh, we got a bit of it in Mutant Day with the whole worker saying like it was unfair, like the strength of the Muni army against uh, the monsters. And the like Ludo talking like how he found these monsters. Yeah. Like abandoned basically we've and, very briefly got into the butterfly families are actually the bad guys type thing like yeah. very briefly in season one yeah uh, i and i think that would be such a good twist for ludo to not actually be or i mean he'd still be a villain but i think more doing the wrong thing for the right reason kind of thing i mean even though he's not a i wouldn't call him a great person but because he's clearly incompetent and clearly doesn't know how to take blame for himself, but he does at least try, I think, and I, that makes him maybe the best of the monsters. Um, Actually, Buff Frog is the best monster there is, but uh, yeah. Uh, so is Butt Frog the one? Who's the one? The one in the finale? Is that him? Yes, the one with the tadpoles. The spy one. What do you mean, spy one? Yeah. So we see Buttfrog spying on them like all season long. Yes, the spy yeah. guy. Yeah. And then I lo- and then I'm like, why are they humanizing this random lobster thing or whatever, whatever they lobster do? claws? Where when we have this this one who we see all the time just spying on them, and then we do humanize him in the finale. Like he's the important one. I love that. It was great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that type of stuff. I think Ludo's interesting. Ludo's they're going in interesting directions with Ludo. Certainly, he started from a super light and inconsequential position, but whatever, you know. I'd almost compare it to Mojo Jojo, and I know it's a weird comparison, but at first they're both just stupid comical villains. But with both of them, we do eventually start, or at least it seems they're going this way with Ludo. I know with Mojo Jojo, we did kind of get that sympathy eventually. Yeah, and Mojo in uh, the new Powerpuff Girls is certainly a. a uh, not even a really a villain type character. He's kind of just like there and he's like, yeah, he's, he's technically evil, but he's just doing his own type of thing. And they check in on him sometimes. And I feel like that's where we're going. Ludo. Yeah. That Mojo Jojo is probably the best comparison. Yeah. Hooray. I made a comparison. You've been surprisingly, uh, restrained <laughs> with them only doing good ones. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we're both, uh, met on, um my new wand and we're split on ludo in the wild uh up next week is let's check um mr candle cares and red belt uh oh okay marco upgrading his belt <laughs> um that that that's something i love about marco if i can briefly it uh, speaking from experience when you do martial arts people find it interesting if you have a black belt anything below that you kind of get looked up like a dork yeah and they just they played off that so well with the green belt with a stripe line. They just played off that like it's either black belt or nothing mentality yeah. that a lot of people have. And I thought that was brilliant. So yeah, kudos, Marco. Get your red belt. Two more. I, I always forget about the karate boy. Like I love yeah. that. Yeah. It was so good. Um yeah, that's a good aspect of Marco. Apparently that was the first aspect of Marco was him just being this karate kid. And then we've developed. And then they there. turned a safe kid. Yeah, and then turn in this. I love safe kid introduction. Like so good. Uh, that that first episode's really good. I need. To oh yeah, it, but yeah, that's a solid episode. Yeah, and somewhere in the the season preview, um, we got a scene of I don't know if you've seen this of um Star like telling the principal or someone that her I don't know if that's true of uh that him and that her and Marco are smooch buddies now. I've heard the line we're yeah. smooch buddies. <laughs> I don't so, know. The Starco shippers are eagerly anticipating. No, no, no. I'm going to quote Danny Phantom. We're going to get the fake out make out. That's what we're oh, going to yeah. get. Oh, certainly this is not a real thing. <laughs> this is a, some sort of plan that they have uh, in order to accomplish something. Or one of them is possessed or like, uh, you know, this is not real. <laughs> Let's Correct. Not, but we're still highly anticipating the Smooch Buddy scene. So we'll, we'll see about that. Because Star saying Smooch Buddies is probably the funniest thing ever. That's that's such a star star at the show way of phrasing this type of thing. As, yeah. as that line. Anyway, we'll see if uh, we get any real Star Coast smooch buddies this season. Apparently, the season is um, 
it's a longer. Yeah, longer. It's uh, 22 episodes instead of 13. So. Yeah, 22, 11 minutes. That's like Adventure Time length. I'm impressed. Eh, it's, nothing's quite at the level of Adventure Time seasons in terms of length. <laughs> Those are infinitely it, long. But, it's four yeah. away from what season six was. Because season oh, yeah, they, six well, was they've been 26 yeah. half hours. Yeah, so they've been shortening them. Um, anyway, that's it for the start. Last last things on Star. Um, We've gone in over an hour. <laughs> I have nothing. Just live on, Space Unicorn. Live on. Oh, yeah. Space Unicorn. Yeah. Sorry um, through the stars. Uh, who's, I want to say, like, who's more dorky, Marco, but I can't even think of a comparison. He's Me? Humans, so, uh, well, you're more dorky than Marco, but <laughs> you have less of an excuse because you're older, so. Uh, <gasps> <laughs> there you go. That's my. Just and who hired me again? I mean, I didn't. Dorkiness was not a uh, uh, an employment criteria, so you know. Anyway, uh, Dylan, nice and just Cummings, and we'll bring on another co-host for future star discussions. Let us know what you thought of any of our comments on Star. Tell me why I'm so wrong on Ludo in the Wild. It's fine, and um, tell us. Uh, refute me and say that the smooch buddy scene will be real you can leave us youtube comments uh you can go to the website overlyanimated.com and leave comments on the article for the podcast you can send us tumblr asks um and uh yeah hopefully uh people dig our podcast on the show i'm enjoying the show so glad we're covering it in the future we'll probably be podcasting on this on mondays because we're going to be podcasting anyway about steven universe but we'll see um oh dear we'll see about that uh but yeah uh overlyanimated.com and you can support us at patreon.com slash overly animated we're ad free we rely on the support of our patrons thank you very much to mitch cordell beatrice nate andy jamie rachel john ryan Catherine taylor davon and jade aka hey fever mitch cordell c beach Nate, nathan Philly, and buzz like your mailman rich rose giant Bravo, brian cricket needle and still working on those last two nicknames um and yep Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, tomorrow, our Steven Universe Roundtable. Monday, our Ladybug Roundtable. Then, Infinite Steven Universe Discussions. Next star episode, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. We will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.